The Superpower Mamas channel is brought to you by Superpower Experts. Visit superpowerexperts.com to join the superpower universe and unlock your superpowers today. You're listening to Superpower Mamas, reclaiming the sacred journey of motherhood with Tatiana Berende. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Superpower Mama Show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and we've got another Kids Talk episode for you. Nivali Rekla is here joining us. Today, we are going to be talking about supporting your kids through their early relationships. This is something Neva has just walked through, and I'm so excited to have you on here with us today, Neva, to talk about this. This is a big, juicy topic we're going to dive into today. It is. I think it's a really important one as well. I think um, when it comes to the topic of relationships and parenting, sometimes people get squirmy because it tends to mean your kid is growing up and getting older. Um, and I, I think, think usually people get squirmy. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think it's a an important topic, especially when your kids are getting into like their first relationships and how to handle those, whether it's romantic or just platonic, whatever it is, on how to handle those conversations and how to best support them. Yes. Oh my gosh, Sarah. So I feel like we could have a whole series just on this topic, okay. Eva. Um <laughs> So this is obviously going to be a really good one. So I know you're going to want to stick around for it. We um, we have some really exciting things coming up over at Superpower Experts. If you have not yet gone over there to check it out, please, please, please do so. Um, if you've not listened to any of our kids talk conversations until now, do yourself a favor and go back. You can go to superpowermamas.com. You can download the Superpower Network app, an easy way to find those conversations so that you can sort of get up to date with what Neva and I have been diving into because it's been fabulous and fun. And also, Neva, you just launched a new show. You want to tell everyone about it? Hey. I just launched my Leave It to Neva show. I've recorded three episodes so far, um, which should be out by the time this airs. And oh my gosh, it is so much fun already. I'm talking all about changing the world and making the future a better place by taking the steps today to do so. And I think it's it's already so fun. I, the, we're having really important discussions on there, similar to what we talk about here. And I can't wait for it to continue to unravel. Yeah. So if you've listened to any of our kids talk conversations so far, you know how awesome Neva is and you really want to go check out her new show, Leave It to Neva, also on the network. Um, really downloading the app is your best and easiest way to do that. Although we are obviously on all the places that you can listen to podcasts if you're listening to this now. Um, so, okay. So we're diving into supporting your kids through their early relationships. We're going to just go to break and then dive into this conversation. So we don't have to interrupt it at all. And yeah, we'll be right back. So stay tuned. Hi everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, executive director of superpower experts. Are you ready to master your life? Are you looking for more calm and peace connectedness in your relationships more clear communication, guided thoughts, and a confidence in your ability to come up with creative solutions no matter what happens, then join us at our next experience. Go to superpowerexperts.com and get signed up today. 
All right, we're back. So Neva, where do you want to start us off on? I think, oh, there's so many places and directions we could start. Um, oh, no. I think something about relationships, especially early relationships, is what I've noticed from my experience is people tend to um, not necessarily treat them the same as they would if like you're older, like an adult. Um, and I think that sometimes with that, there can be some confusion around what your relationship actually is, especially if you're talking about like a dating relationship. And I think a really important place parents can like help guide their kids is by having the conversation with their children, like, Hey, what is this for you? Um, that's something my parents have always helped me with and just like being there to support me and whatever it and however it unravels um for me is like always made whatever relationships I've been in a lot easier well and I love what you're saying and I think it's super important because I think especially as we get older and we reflect on you know maybe some of our first relationships and if we are now in a committed partnership and we have children it can be easy to sort of um maybe forget how very real and very intense the feelings that come up can be and and how raw and you know um there's like so many hormones that you're sort of learning how to manage and integrate there's like very real experiences that you're having that are super foundational and formative and while it's probably pretty rare for someone to meet like their committed lifetime partner when they're your age, it's not unheard of. Um, so I love that that your parents ask you that question um, and yeah. really let you be inside of it in in the the way that's that's very real for you in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of the times. Uh, you mentioned hormones and that's something I want to chime in on is when it comes to early relationships, what I've noticed, not necessarily from my parents, they tend to take a more, I like to describe them as like the spiritual mean girl mom. If anybody gets what I'm talking about, they're very chill and they let me figure out things for myself. Um, obviously more mature than the mean girl's mom, but that's kind of how, they are with me but I've noticed with some parents it's when it comes to the topic of things like hormones and stuff like that of even with some of my friends like you can't be in the room alone together without the door like wide open um and stuff like that and I think that sometimes when it comes to the conversation around like boundaries and handling things like that parents get can get really squirmy and then don't and and then end up not best communicating with their not communicating with their child in the best way they possibly could. Well, and it's interesting you bring up that like you can't be in the same room with the door closed because what that basically communicates is I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. trust, I don't trust that we've had enough conversations or I've laid a solid enough foundation with you um, to trust your judgment in this space with your friend. Yeah. And I think that can actually end up leading to the opposite of what the parent intends to have happen. For sure. Uh, <laughs> because what I found is with that approach is 
you're not really discussing with your kids what your boundaries would be or how you would ha- best handle the situation, like if you were them, um, which is something my parents do really well and I appreciate of they're like, hey, this is what we would do if we were you. We ask you to be smart and, you know, respect our boundaries. Um, and I do, of course. And but I, I find with the approach of like, no, just don't do this, then it tends to lead to the kid doing the exact opposite of what the parent wanted to have happen and usually not as smart as the parent would have hoped. Right. Because it's coming from a reactionary space instead of a, I feel empowered to make a logical decision here. Absolutely. And I think um, that's a big gray area in a lot of early relationships is I think, so for me, I identify as asexual. So anything along the more like sexual lines and stuff just doesn't interest me. Um, but some people aren't like that. And I think when some people aren't like that, people tend to misjudge their children's judgment in certain situations. And then they don't, because it's such a squirmy topic in such a gray area is that it leads to parents just act like not talking with their kids about things like boundaries or anything like that. And then their kid goes off and does something that they might not have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a whole huge topic in yeah. and of itself yeah. um, that if, if y'all have not checked out the sex, love and superpowers archives again on the apps, the, the easiest way to do that are on the website. Um, I did have some really good conversations about talking to your kids about sex. Neva was on there when we were like nine years old. We were talking about talking to your kid about consent and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, having some really great conversations about boundaries. So, so I've already covered some of this parents. If you have not listened to the sex, love and superpowers show, I would go, go back there and, and dig into some of those conversations. Cause there's some real good ones in there. Um, and, and I have some some sort of fresh questions for you, Neva, as you're stepping into this space. I think it's really fascinating. And I and I was wondering years ago, you know, because your parents have been very open with you about sex from the beginning. Some some might say like overly open with you, right? I think you yeah, you I know, know more about sex than most kids your age, right? Um, yeah, and. And now you identify as asexual and do, you know, just because we are, you know, we're talking about, you know, reactionary things. Do you, is there any part of you? Like, do you think that some of that for you is, is a response to that? Like a lot of conversation about sex or is that just like where you've landed? Cause like I said, like I, I had this feeling when, when you were like eight, nine years old and your mom and I were talking, I was like, I really think he was going to be asexual. <laughs> like I just, I was like in all of this setup for her to have like all this sex, but however much she wants when she's older, like, I think she's not going to want to have it. Like, I- Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's necessarily reaction as much as because I know so much. You know, like, like, I, I, no thanks I can wait yeah like it sounds really uninteresting quite frankly I think people paint sex in this really exciting light like oh my gosh you're gonna lose your virginity it's gonna be so exciting and for some people that might be very true 
I can't speak to that experience, but the idea of it doesn't sound that intriguing to me. And I think because I've known so much, which is quite interesting because if I wasn't asexual, my parents have completely like They've set you up the opportunity to do whatever I want. Yeah. Um but oh my gosh, I don't know you thought that. Um <laughs> I was just I was just queuing in. But I think that honestly it's because they were so open with me, it's like I know how things work to to a decent degree at least at least for my age um and so it's like it, because I know so much and I know how it works it's kind of like I don't feel the need to go and figure it out for myself mm-hmm. um and then also experiences that I've had where people did physical things to me that I did not necessarily consent to yeah. um kind of made me I think it's certainly like layered on top of each other of helping me realize that's not necessarily something that I'm big on like my current partner is also asexual um Mm -hmm. and I think that yeah I think it was kind of like just an interesting stack of things like it's interesting I talk to people about this is one of my I guess quote-unquote love languages is physical touch but I don't mean like sexual physical touch I mean like I like holding hands with people and hugging Mm -hmm. um and I think with my parents being so open about it is it gave me the opportunity to choose. And I realized I don't have to, you know, lean in, like lean into the opportunities that they've given me. It's not like they're saying like, Oh my gosh, you can go have sex, blah, blah, blah. But they've educated me enough. Yeah. If I was going to, I would be really smart about it. Um, But I think, yeah, I think it's kind of, it is interesting given how I was raised that that what that is now how I identify um I think another thing is like I remember from a really young age when like conversations of like hormones and stuff were coming up and people were talking about like oh yeah like you might really like want to have sex and stuff like that and I was thinking is that just what people think about like do they just sit around thinking like oh my gosh I want to get laid right now. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> and then, yes. <laughs> and then I got to middle school and I realized that is the case with some mm. people. And like looking at people like they're crazy, like, huh, that's odd. Oh, oh my gosh. I have a story to tell. Can I share? <laughs> yes. Okay. So the other day, my sister and I went thrifting. Okay. And yes. it, was, it was later in the evening. And as we were leaving the thrift store parking lot, we drove by this restaurant and I look out the window and I see this big red truck. Okay. And I'm like, Oh, that's a nice red truck. And the door is open to the truck on um, the passenger side. I want to say. So then I look at the door and I look down and there's four feet, two people standing very close to each other. So I look to my sister. I'm like, they're standing really close. Second after I said that, I see a couple come out and I'm going to just assume gender identities and the girl's hand was down his pants. He was trying to buckle up his pants. They were laughing and making out. And then I made eye contact with the both of them. Um, I think I became more asexual that day. But <laughs> I came home and I told my family about it. And I was traumatized. And I was thinking, like, did that seriously what people crave? Like... And then I was connecting dots and realizing, oh, yep, it makes a lot of sense about me, you know. But 
I think with my, but I think it's interesting because with like me identifying as asexual and stuff like that is I don't think, I think in my parents' mind, it also probably helped ease any like, I guess, parental concerns that they might have had about me doing things because it's definitely something I just don't want to do um also the fact that I'm mainly into girls probably helps with that as well but you know yeah I could I could see I could see that going either way I mean we've talked about that right on the show before um some parents if they knew that their daughter was mainly into girls would not be okay with that make it worse Um, however you don't have to worry about about pregnant accidental pregnancy that way you have to be really super intentional about getting pregnant when you're you know Mm -hmm. both women so yeah so what are you seeing i mean i feel like you well you're it's, it's not unique there are i think a lot of um youth your age who are sort of feeling more in that space of asexuality these days i think that's a lot more common than it used to be um a lot more talked about at least right Mm -hmm. for sure and um and so how are you seeing sort of the the milieu of your peers in that I mean, you mentioned already sort of noticing that when parents say, no, don't do this, or they don't create access or ease of communication that the children tend to, you know, go in the other direction. What else are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing that your friends are really struggling with that in in that department that you feel like you've had support around that you don't see them getting support around? A big thing I've seen is around... um, the topics of identity and stuff like that. Um, my parents have always been very supporting. However, I wanted to identify whatever box I chose to put myself in and play around in. Um, a lot of my friends haven't had that same opportunity. And, and so it's led to a lot of um, confusion within their relationships and stuff like that, or it's led to them having to be really sneaky about who they are. Um, for example, my current partner is not out to her family mm-hmm. um, and cannot be. Um, because of? And, um, being really, really conservative and really, really Christian. Uh-huh. Um, and so with that, I've seen a lot of confusion with people when it comes to getting into relationships and feeling bad for like having to hide who they're with and hide who they are. Um, another thing is, like we were just talking about my parents being really open to discussions um, around like boundaries and consent and sex talks and stuff like that is most of my friends and most like my peers kind of just get the don't have sex until you're married talk. Um, And then, or or like um, with my past partner, which led to us wanting to have this discussion around breakups and relationships and stuff like that. Um, we couldn't at their house, we couldn't close the door or be in a room alone together without like the door, like wide open, um, which is totally fine. We respected that. But I think it's interesting because I've noticed a lot of gray area with probably some really important conversations. I think that sometimes parents think that if they don't talk about something, it won't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually think that it's the exact opposite of the case. I mean, look at how I was raised and the amount of 
talks I've had about sex and stuff like that. And the fact that I had the opportunity to, if I wanted to, and now I don't even want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. It kind of like, looks like it works the opposite of one another. Yeah, for sure. And I think that tends to be the case in mm-hmm. general. And one of the things that um, for the parents who are listening to this, I think is really important to, and again, if you go to some of the conversations in Sex, Love and Superpowers, we talk about this. When talking with your kids about sex in particular, it starts when they start asking questions about their own bodies and how their bodies work and where babies come from. Like when you're like three, four years old and and there's layers, right? Your parents didn't lay it all on you at the age of three. Like they, they, they gradually, no, they gradually introduced it. But, but I think it's really important for parents um, that we step out of this. Like it's a one and done conversation. Cause it's not a one and done conversation. This is a, yeah, it's not the talk. It's like, this is a part of life and we talk about it regularly because yeah, it is it's a regular part of life. And it's, you know, it's so interesting as we're, I mean, I've kind of cued into this before, but, but it's just coming back again. It, actually, one of the, one of the last conversations I had on sex, love and superpowers, we were talking about like healthy sexuality and, um, and there's something about, this might sound a little awkward, but just stay with me for a minute. There's something about like, like normalizing sex actually makes it a little less exciting, like not, and not in a bad way, not in a bad way, but like it's when we take mm-hmm. the taboo out of it. And for some people it's like, oh no, you're ruining sex, you know? Cause you're like taking that, like, you know, the, the intrigue out of it. Um, and I think that there's definitely ways to still keep that, especially as you get older, um, there's ways to play with that. But I, but I, I think there's something to this. I think as parents that we need to start, if we're, if we're really so concerned about our children having sex, you know, when we're not looking um, and, and the ramifications, oh, <laughs> the ramifications <laughs> of that. Yeah. Hopefully actually we'd probably rather have our children have sex when we're not looking, but um you know what I mean. Um, but I, I think, I think talking about it and, and really yeah. normalizing it and making it like not such a big deal. It's like, it makes it less really exciting. A big deal. Yeah. Well, I- yeah. We've made it a huge deal. I mean, all the movies, all the books about, you know, coming of age, it's like, it is the thing, right? Like it's the thing. And it's like, it might sound really interesting, but like, in my brain, it doesn't sound that exciting. Like to unpack what sex is, it's touching parts where people go to the bathroom <laughs> because it feels good, and sometimes a baby comes out of it. It does not sound that intriguing. <laughs> like I'm gonna replay this for your mom. <laughs> that part. <laughs> people paint it to be so exciting, and it's like. Or like the, the concept of virginity is it's such a strict box, right? Of like yeah. it's interesting because one of my things I'm really into like anatomy and like figuring out how bodies work and stuff. And I think a part of the reason I'm so into it is because I don't find it sexual. I just find it it is a body function. Mm-hmm. Um so it lets me kind of learn from a different viewpoint without thinking like, ee, that's gross. Um but with that is like 
I I used to look in like virginity and stuff like that because I was like, why do people like paint this in such a big light? Of when you look at it, it's kind of it's really silly because it's typically looked at of like you know, PP and VV, you know, sex. But I think like people forget that there's so much else going on that like in. I wonder if that leads to that adds to like the gray area when it comes to like sex talks with kids and stuff and handling relationships between parents is because the concept of like virginity and stuff is now so I think it's so much bigger now than it used to be looked at. Um, And so I'm wondering if like parents just simply don't know where to start with that conversation, which is why they're not those discussions aren't being had. Yeah. Well, and I think that you've actually hit the nail on the head there because the concept of virginity is really being pushed back upon right now. Um, Especially like the LGBTQ plus community and stuff like that is because mm -hmm. there's some people who never have like strict cisgender heterosexual sex. Right. Yeah. Well, and I remember, you know, growing up where it was like the base, you had the bases, right? Like <laughs> first base, second base, third base, home run. And, um, and home run. yeah, that was, that was going all the way. Right. Which, which again means like typical penis and vagina sex, right? Like that's what, that's what that meant when I was growing up. Um, mm -hmm which yes, doesn't, doesn't leave space for all of the different ways that we explore. And I think it also sets us up as adults um, with a lot of expectations of what sexuality is supposed to be and what sex is supposed to be. And so, yeah. and then, and then we also look at, you know, and then what happens if your virginity gets taken from you? Um, yeah, I choose to identify in that. Yeah, exactly. And and how do we how do we write those stories? So, I mean, this is a whole Pandora's box conversation, which is why I had a, a show for three and a half years <laughs> talking about these different topics, you know, and, and I didn't exhaust them all. You know, I covered a lot of ground, but I didn't exhaust it all and, um, yeah. you know, may revive that show again. But I, there's there's a lot there's a lot of ground to cover when, when we start opening up this, this box. And I appreciate you so much um, coming on and, and sort of yeah. diving into that. Cause like you've said a number of times, it is squirmy for so many adults. And I think to have, um, you know, someone who's a youth who's so articulate about it and who is, um, you know, you're, you're not actively sexually engaged right now and you may never be, or you may find a time in your life when that does start to intrigue you and, and all of it's okay and acceptable. Yeah. Um, are you okay if I mildly change the subject? Cause there's another thing I want to cover. Yes, please. Um, with the topic of relationships, I think like we've, we've covered a lot of like the physical boundaries and the physical conversations and stuff like yes. that. But I think in, another really important key factor is the emotional aspect. Abs to it. Absolutely. I remember, um, when my past relationship just recently ended and um, I remember our parents like talking about like, um, especially their parents talking about like, oh, well, we don't want it to be like that big of a deal, like that big of a heartbreak or whatever, which I think is actually kind of important. And I think younger relationships and any relationship actually gives you a great opportunity that you don't have to sink into this like full of sadness. Um, 
and like this is my first time ever getting dumped and it was like I remember I kind of thought like oh my gosh I'm gonna be sad for like ever and then I got over it in a day and a half and I was fine mm-hmm. and that doesn't stop the sadness of feeling like oh the relationship has changed it's different now but it does stop the like initial feeling of like heartbreak and I think that's a discussion that can also be squirmy for parents of because those emotions can be very real and those well they are I they are real I I wouldn't say they can be they are yeah yeah and I think parents can sometimes get squirmy around the idea of your kid being sad or your kid getting hurt but honestly I think I remember uh, I was talking with, I guess, my ex. I'm just going to call him my friend. With my friend about our whole relationship and stuff like that. And we got into a discussion with um, one of our coordinators at the church. And I remember I was talking and I said, like, I don't regret trusting you and I don't regret loving you. It, our relationship is just changed. And I think... I think especially with like younger relationships, like middle through high school relationships, something I've seen is like the wanting to immediately go to like hating them. Like, oh my gosh, you're a horrible person. And I found myself wanting to go there. Then I was like, I really don't want to take this path because when you take that path, you forget what the relationship was because they weren't just like my person. They weren't just like the person I was dating. They were also my friend and my best friend. And they were before we ever started dating. And so it would be kind of silly of me to want to go to like, oh my gosh, I hate you. I regret everything that I ever did with you. I regret like ever trusting or ever loving you because I'm not just erases all of those emotions. And those emotions are really good to have. And it's really awesome to love people. Like that's my favorite thing. I love loving people mm-hmm. and whatever construct it is. And I think also with, if I were to go into hatred and I were to like sink into like, oh my gosh, I despise you, the worst person ever, of it wouldn't let me love as hard as I do in other relationships because I would be blocked off and I'd be scared to trust. And I think Neva, once again, you've just demonstrated uh, your wisdom beyond your years and your ability to access spaces that most adults haven't been able to come to. I mean, the reason why a lot of, you know, um, people in your age group in the middle and high school relationships end that way is because that's what the adults are modeling. And that's what they tell them, like, that's supposed to be. And it's like, you look at movies, like rom-coms and stuff, and they go through a breakup. And it's like the hardest thing ever. And it's like, oh my gosh, they're heartbroken forever. They're never going to get into another relationship. And it's like, I think, honestly, it was a lot more anticlimactic of an experience than I thought it would be. Hmm. Because I remember like in the relationship, I was like, well, I don't know like how I'd be able to like recover if like we ever broke up. And then I got over it really quickly. And, you know, I think also allowed you to get over it really quickly. And when you say get over it, what do you mean? Um, when I say get over it, I kind of mean like not being absolutely like devastated, not being really upset that we are no longer in a relationship. Um, like the initial hurt and sadness just kind of like mm-hmm. passed over me kind of quickly. Um, I think one thing that allowed me to get over it is the 
realizing it's honestly not the biggest of deals and realizing kind of how freeing it felt to no longer be in that relationship. And I loved it and I loved them, but the realizing perhaps how it had been kind of sitting for too long, just kind of like, it felt like nobody was really putting their energy into the relationship container. Therefore it was kind of like we didn't have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I'd kind of been sensing for a while. Um, and then not to mention um, new relationships coming forward as well. But I think that always helps. It, it does always help. And that doesn't mean like, I think people, like I remember I was talking to one of my friends about it and they're like, Oh, did you rebound? I'm like, no, I just, and now no longer in a relationship with this person and now in a relationship with this person and that's not related. Um, and I think that's another thing to talk about is like, I heard about rebound relationships and I thought they were like the weirdest thing. I'm like, why would you want to love somebody just because someone else like stopped loving you? Well, again, or, that's, that's a reactionary experience, yeah. you know, and it, and it is a thing. It, and there are people who kind of do that chronically they bounce from relationship to relationship because they're afraid to be alone and they're afraid to be with the feelings of hurt and they're afraid to have themselves you know reflected back to themselves in their own little petri dish of of solo um that's hard for a lot of people and so so they do jump from relationship to relationship to relationship and i think honestly it's okay to be okay in being alone and like one thing that one positive thing that came out of this is I feel like I got a lot of friends back for some reason. Like I used to feel like, Oh, I don't really have that many friends. And now I'm talking to a lot more people, a lot frequently, a lot more frequently than I used to. Um, And I think another thing is like, when I'm the type of person, if anybody's known me for a period of time is I move through energy very quickly. Um, not to see my own horn or anything, but my mother says I'm great at processing emotions. And she says that I kind of like work through things a lot quicker than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that definitely helps with me processing sadness and processing emotions because I moved through probably like one or two weeks worth of emotions in like a day and a half. Um, so it's quite the roller coaster of a day. But I think that was actually it was like I wouldn't change anything about the experience because I think sitting and sulking in it is kind of silly because also it was like to speak bluntly is why would you want to continue to perpetuate a relationship with somebody who doesn't want to be with you anymore that's a great question Neva (laughs) um yes a lot of people do do that not even just in romantic relationships i've seen it with friendships too i'm guilty of doing it with some friendships um i think we get attached to the idea of what we have with people instead of the reality of what's there i agree i think i think that's a big thing that happens is like i found myself slipping into it as i was attached with the idea of them loving me not necessarily attached with what it actually was well and you said something very interesting about the relationship container and nobody putting any energy into it which I think is not uncommon at your age I mean it's not uncommon in general I think the the concept of the relationship container is new for a lot of people even though Mm -hmm. you know for us over at SPE we're old hats at that because we talk about the relationship container all the time Um, yeah 
and the whole coupling program is based on based on that relationship container. So you've been raised with that with that vernacular and with that concept. Most people have not been, but I do think that it's you know you you hit on something that's incredibly valid for for anyone in a relationship that that relationship container does need to be fed and i think sometimes when um when we have a lot of pain around the breakup we're we're kind of chasing the ghost of a of a container that maybe never really had much in it to begin with for sure and i think that also a realization i came to is um and this is not a hit on anybody at all. I tend to be the person who holds the energy of those containers. It just kind of happens to be whatever role I slip into. Um, well, cause you're aware so, of them and other people. Yeah. Aren't. Yeah. And so what I did is cause what happened for me is we got into a little bit of an argument before we broke up and then it was a completely like healthy, normal breakup. Um, I don't know what to consider a normal breakup, but you know what I mean? Um, But what I noticed is during the argument is I emotionally and energetically detached. And I was like, I'm going to see what happens. And then surely enough, a few days later, we ended up breaking up. Um, And I think that something I realized, I was talking to my mom about this is at least for me personally, is when it comes to relationship, I crave emotional availability and connection. And I crave somebody who puts an equal amount of effort that I do into the relationship container. And I'm like quite the hopeless romantic in a sense of like, I absolutely believe in soulmates and I absolutely believe in all those things. And I think with that is sometimes when you're like that, it can be really easy to get an attachment to the idea of a person or the idea of somebody loving you. And then you don't actually look at what it actually is. So. How did you tell that the other person was not putting the same amount of energy into the container as you were? I think the big teller was when I emotionally detached. And then it was almost like a little energetic test, if you will, of, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to remove my energy from this and move on and then see if you circle back around. And then... I think I kind of got my answer from the universe when they circled back around, but then it was to break off the relationship, not necessarily to Re-engage keep going it. and fix things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think honestly, it was something I had been sensing for a while. And I think something I realized is I got really interlooped with, I, I think on some level, I gained a bit of a codependency in a sense of, I got really attached to the idea of, us and then I kind of lost myself personally if like I kind of forgot who I was if I wasn't in the relationship container um and I think yeah, that which is be- also common and which yeah, is a, a- it, the fact that you said that you weren't really connected to your friends and now you are is actually a big indicator of that and so that's for anyone listening to this if you see that in your children or in your friends um, or if you that, see it in yourself, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or in yourself. That's a big red flag, um, a big codependency yeah. red flag if you're no longer connecting with your friends. Absolutely. And I think, and I don't want, like, I don't remember anything about that relationship because whilst it, it definitely wasn't perfect and it might not have been the healthiest, I think on some level it served a really great purpose because 
that's another thing is when relationships don't work out, they open a doorway for other things to work in. And like with new relationships coming forward for me and stuff like that is I realized it's kind of like you get a chance to look at, okay, this is what I had in this relationship. And there's some things I didn't necessarily want. There's some things that I did want. And then you're able to look at, okay, what is the next thing that I seek? Um, And that can also be, what do you seek in yourself too? Of something really empowering I realized about like money relationship and stuff like that is that it's really empowering to feel whole and complete on your own without your partner feeling like they're going to be like your other half. I feel... I've heard people talk about that with relationships of like, oh yeah, they're my other half. But then it's like, but then you're talking about yourself like you're just half a half person person. without them. Yeah. And and I think that that's, I mean, I would argue that's the only way to come to a relationship is as as your whole self. Yeah. You know, when I was actively working, what was that? What did you say, hon? I said, then they're not seeing all of you. And you're not knowing all of you. No. And you, you lose parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you were on a thought. Uh, just that that's, I mean, for me, that's, that was a big soapbox for me when I was really actively working in the, um, you know, helping people find the relationship they want space mm-hmm. um, is that you, you have to be comfortable on your own and with yourself before you can come into a relationship in your whole self and not be playing out some of these really unhealthy dynamics that we were just, you know, talking about and, and bringing forward. When I met my husband, I was not looking for a relationship, nor did I want one. I was very, very comfortable and confident in myself and in my own, in my own space. And I wasn't, I wasn't needing that right a few months before I met him, I was in this like really deep seeking, right? Like I need a relationship to feel complete. And I did whatever work I needed to do to come into a space of like, no, actually I feel really whole and wonderful in myself. And I don't, don't need, or even want that right now. Like I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. And I think that, you know, for parents listening to this to really encourage our children in that direction Um, again not from but we got to check ourselves too we don't want to do it from a place of fear or a place of like oh yes I'd way rather you just be on your own because it's then I don't have to deal with those squirmy conversations Um, but more just like what kind of a relationship do you really want do you want this codependent craziness that we that we play out and that we see in the movies and that gets fed to us um, or do we want to be able to stand in our wholeness and are we willing to believe that our children are capable of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also the whole codependency thing tends to be really over romanticized. I promise it's not as fun as it seems. <laughs> <laughs> and because like, I love you so thing. much. <laughs> and that's, I love you too. And that's the whole thing though, is like movies and stuff and people over people tend to be in movies anywho it gets really over romanticized and it's like this whole like oh my gosh you can't live without them they're the air you breathe and it's like if they're the air you breathe then you probably are suffocating because whilst I think honestly what I've discovered is 
like this new relationship, I was just talking to my mom about it. Is like something I love about her is she reminds me to be whole on my own. And I don't feel the need to feel broken or feel the need to be half of a person in order to get her to love me. Anything, it's the opposite. I feel the need and feel, you know, empowered to be more whole and be more comfortable on my own. Because when you take the whole, you're like my other half stance is not only are you cutting off half of yourself, but then that's a whole half that you're not going to know. And then I think slowly over time, that half starts getting cut off even more until you're just a sliver of a person. And then the whole is only within the relationship. And it's not a fun place to be in when your partner is like the only thing you're talking about and the only thing you're focused on. It's like, because also, frankly, your partner is just another person. They might be really awesome. They might be really special to you and you might love them a lot but they are just another person. And if you're treating them like everything that they do is going to like have a huge effect on your life, then you might need to look at it. And I think that goes for anybody and especially parents out there of helping guide your kids. And it might happen and letting things happen naturally, but guiding your kid and reminding them that they're whole on their own is really, really important because you don't know that you're whole on your own, then you're going to forget it, especially when you're in a relationship. And I think if you go into a relationship as one half of a person, then you're going to forget that your whole entire being. And then the relationship is going to be a constant reminder that you're not whole. Yeah. So um, you are the wisest 12-year-old I know, probably that exists on the planet Earth today. And for those of you who are listening in, who are like, ooh, maybe I have a little work to do in my relationship um, before I can pass this on to my children, please come and check out our co-creating your relationship program over at Superpower Experts. Uh, Neva Lee's parents are the the primary people. I'm also a a coach and a guide in that program. and because we've we've got obviously, if Neva's spouting this, she's been raised in it. There is some really deep, solid wisdom that that we're holding over there, and how you actually do what we're talking about. Because it's great to to talk about it, and it's another thing to actually be able to put it into practice. Um, and um, I'm not going to say we've like solved all of the the problems of the world in in the realm of relationships, but uh, we're pretty close. I think we're doing. <laughs> We're doing pretty good over there. Um, so yeah, go over to superpowerexperts.com and uh, and if you go over to the programs tab, you can you can read more about that. Um, reach out if you're interested in in diving deeper into that program. That really is it's a committed thing. Um, it's a it's work, and but it's fun and it's play and it's expansion and it's amazing. And you uh, get to be like Neva. So hey why not check it out? (laughs) Um, Neva, like I said, I think you're fabulous. Is there anything that you want to make sure that people hear before we sign off? Um, I want to remind everybody who's listening, whether you're a parent or you're a kid, whoever you are in this world, that you are whole on your own. And if you need somebody to remind you of that, please come check out our stuff. And not to like two dollars or anything, but to elaborate on what Tati said, I think we do a pretty good job 
of helping people figure out who they are in this world. And I promise you there are easier ways to figure out your whole on your own than getting into a relationship and feeling incomplete because you are not incomplete. You are a whole being. And for parents out there, encourage your kids in their relationships because we covered a lot of squirmy topics today. Like we typically do diving headfirst into the deep end um, and support your kids in that and realize that they might get hurt sometimes and they are, might be emotions and those emotions are so real. And to the kids out there, let yourself feel those emotions and everybody out there, let yourself feel those emotions because they are valid and they are important and they make life so much worth living, even if they hurt sometimes, because sometimes the hurt is a reminder as to why we're alive. So continue to feel alive and continue to remember that you're whole and that you are loved and that we love you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Neva. And yes, to everything she just said, we do love you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah. Come and play with us. Dive deeper. We know you want to. So just, what are you waiting for? Come do it. And until next time, go out and claim your parenting journey as a sacred one for yourself, for your children, and for the world. Many, many blessings. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.